Today, we'll be learning about how Children's Health established the only outpatient ventricular assist devices, or VAD, program in North Texas, and how this has made a tremendous difference in the lives of kids who are facing heart failure. VADs are commonly used in adults, but Children's Health is innovating the field to develop viable options for the pediatric population. This is Pediatric Insights, Advances in Innovations with Children's Health, where we explore the latest in pediatric care and research. I'm Bill Klaproth. With us to discuss ventricular assist devices and the establishment of a pediatric outpatient program at Children's Health is our experts, Dr. Ryan Davies, pediatric cardiothoracic surgeon and surgical director of the Pediatric Heart Transplant and Mechanical Circulatory Support at Children's Health and associate professor at UT Southwestern Medical Center, also David Sutcliffe, pediatric cardiologist and medical director of the VAD program at Children's Health and assistant professor at UT Southwestern Medical Center, and Jody Lance, pediatric transplant medicine clinical nurse specialist at Children's Health. Dr. Davies, Dr. Sutcliffe, and Jody, thank you so much for your time. It is great to talk with you. So Jody, what is a ventricular assist device or what we're calling a VAD? Sure. So a VAD is a machine or a heart pump that's surgically placed inside the patient's heart. And it typically goes into a patient's heart that is suffering from the most severe form of heart failure. Got it. And then Dr. Davies, can you discuss the intricacies of implanting VADs in the pediatric population? The most common VADs used in the U.S. are implanted in adults, but you have been able to place the device in kids. How does your team make this possible? There are a couple aspects to it. One is by using adult devices, which, as you said, are commonly implanted in adults. With experience, we've learned to implant those into kids as small as about 30 pounds, and that really provides a great option for those kids. And then it's all the way down into newborn babies. We have sort of smaller pumps and other options that we can use to support those children while either their heart gets better or wait for a heart transplant. And then, Dr. Sutcliffe, how do you decide which patients are good candidates for VAD? We'll always aim to use medications before we resort to surgical interventions to support children with heart failure. But sometimes those medications are just not enough. They don't support the children well enough to be healthy and well while waiting for the next stage in the management of their heart failure, whether it's to get better or whether that's to go towards transplantation. When those medications just don't do enough, then we turn to our colleagues in surgery like Dr. Davies and we move towards implantation of these devices. Not every patient is perfectly suited for these devices based on their anatomy, based on their size, uh, and based on the type of failure that they have. We make all sorts of different decisions to determine whether a device is appropriate or which device is most appropriate. Right. And then, Dr. Davies, can you talk about how many types of devices you offer and how that sets your program apart from other hospitals? We have several devices available, which is very different from a lot of children's hospitals where they may have one or two devices. And by having the devices that we have, we have about six different devices available. That allows us to support children both in a large size range from newborns all the way up to adult size. And we do that by having two adult pumps available, as well as several pediatric pumps available. In addition, it allows us to support kids both temporarily, and we can do that actually without surgery using pumps that are inserted through catheters, and that can temporarily assist kids or adults with heart failure if we think they're going to recover quickly or have a chance at recovering quickly. 
all the way to devices that we can implant and kids can go home with and live for even many years with if they need to. So that range of devices really allows us to support a whole range of children and allows us to pick the best device for each patient, which is really ideal because as Dr. Sutcliffe was saying, we start with medicines and then the sort of evaluation process that goes into putting one of these pumps in is really a lot about thinking how the pump's going to help each individual child. And children, in a lot of ways, are a lot more complicated than adults, both in terms of the size range when you're looking at anywhere from six pounds to 100 to 200 pounds, understanding which pump is the best for that. But then also, as opposed to adults where most of the them just have a failure of the heart muscle or cardiomyopathy. We have a lot of children who have heart failure, but in the setting of having been born with different circulations with congenital heart disease that may result in only one pumping chamber instead of two or abnormal connections. And really having the range of pumps that we do enables us to provide the best support for each of those different types of need. I might add to that, adults typically choose one or two devices to be able to support the broad array of adult patients they have. But with our patients of varying sizes, we require so many more. So as you might expect, having so many devices on the proverbial shelf can lead to several challenges, not the least of which is maintaining technical proficiency of an entire heart center at our children's health hospital. And that's an incredibly difficult task. It's a tremendous workload that's placed primarily on our ventricular cyst device advanced practice provider, Jody Lance, as well as our VAD nurse coordinator, Sarah Maloney, who really just do the yeoman's work to be able to make sure that our team in the larger heart center is capable and excellent at caring for children with these devices. I know this program has made a tremendous difference in the lives of kids who are facing heart failure. Dr. Sutcliffe, can you talk about how far this program has come since it first began and what it took to establish the outpatient VAD program? The VAD program at Children's Health started in approximately 2006. And since that time, we've provided VAD support to many, many children and changed a lot of lives. During the early years of the VAD program here at Children's Health, device implants proceeded at an average of two to five devices per year. However, with the forward thinking of the current team, there was a realization that these devices could provide more than just a a temporary fix of severe heart failure. We changed our mindset from one of helping children survive a transplant to one of allowing children to thrive in life. And this is a huge aspect of how we take care of kids in heart failure now. And like I said before, a great deal of this burden is taken on by our VAD APP, Jody Lance, and our VAD nurse coordinator, Sarah Maloney. And I'll let them speak more to that as well. Yeah. So, Jody, can you talk to us about what it's like for families then to be able to go home after an operation like this? Sure. As you can imagine, it's pretty overwhelming to come into the hospital and go through this large surgery and have a pump placed in your heart. And we have a tremendous team of people behind the scenes helping the family and the patient learn to cope with their new situation. But aside from that, we have to make sure that the patient and family are functional dealing with this machinery that they have to live with 24-7 and that the patient has to carry around. So a lot of education time is spent with the family, usually in the neighborhood of 20 to 40 hours, depending on the family and different family members get trained over the course of that time. And so that's daily meetings with these families. And not only does the daily meeting help develop the educational and comprehension component of taking care of a patient with a device, but it also helps to build a good trusting relationship with the team because we are in pretty frequent communication as an outpatient. We have to know them well enough and they have to know us to be able to communicate effectively and to manage the patient. And that team does include the patient and family as the primary team members. 
So we require two primary caregivers just so that there is a little bit of respite care for at least one of the caregivers at a time. And depending on the patient's age, we will try and meet the patient where they are developmentally to make sure that the patient is aware of their device. And we've had patients anywhere from four years old all the way up through teenagers that have gone home with this pump. And so we alter our education based on the patient's age and developmental stage. Outside of that, we also do a lot of home prep. So we need to make sure because this is a piece of machinery that requires battery life and the ability to charge batteries, we make sure that the electrical company is aware that the family now has a medically dependent patient in the household. We go so far as to train the school nurse, their teachers, their administrators. We'll even go so far as to train the bus driver if the patient's going to be taking the bus. Other community members, if they go to church or if they have other activities, we want that patient to be able to live as much of a normal life as possible when they leave the walls of the hospital. We'll do whatever we need to do to be able to allow the patient those opportunities. And so if that means that we are training extra groups of people, then we're more than happy to do that so that the patient can continue to enjoy life outside of the hospital. Yeah, that's really a comprehensive plan as you touch all areas of the person's life to make sure everyone is trained. That's really interesting. I'm just curious, how many VADs have you placed in total? As Dr. Sutcliffe said, the program started in 2006, and since that time, we've put in a total of about 110 VADs, although, as he also noted, the frequency of using those devices has gone up markedly in the past few years, so that of those 110, 60 of those pumps have been put in since 2017. And so right now, we're averaging around 15 to 20 pumps per year, depending on the kids who come in and need our help. But I think that added expertise makes it much easier for the team to support the patients in terms of maintaining knowledge and familiarity with all the various pumps and the intricacies of managing all the patients, as well as, as Jody said, the complexities of sending kids home with these pumps, which I think, obviously, as you heard, take a lot of work. So I think that number of ads really enables us to maintain a lot of expertise and really have excellent outcomes with the devices. And then last question, and thank you all for your time. We really appreciate it. Jody, do you have any initial insights as to the benefits the option of going home offers a patient in regard to the healing process? Sure. A couple of the biggest things that we'll talk about, even from the time that we meet the patient or know that the patient is going for a device implant, is the idea of rehabilitation. So some of our biggest goals at the beginning start with nutritional rehabilitation, physical rehabilitation, occupational therapy, speech therapy, things along that line. And that's just taking care of the patient just to get them medically safe and healthy to get into a place where they can go home or they can move on to maybe transplant if that's the next stage in their journey. But I think one of the biggest things in allowing a patient to go home provides the mental healing, the physical healing, the spiritual healing that they can't get within the walls of the hospital. As much as we try and provide those opportunities within these walls because some patients aren't able to go home, in fact, less than 50% of patients who get a VAT are actually able to go home just based on different risk factors or types of devices that we put in. And so when we have the opportunity to send a patient home and to be able to see them thrive, mentally heal from everything that they've been through, and be able to provide them emotional support, and they're able to be with their friends, they're able to go out and play and go to school and kind of feel more like a normal child, despite the fact that they are dealing with the most severe type of heart failure that you can be dealing with. The idea that they can do this in the environment that they're most comfortable in while still having very close monitoring of their overall health and progress is vital. 
I also think that mentally gets them in a better state to deal with a chronic illness. So some of these patients enter into our facility not having had previous history of disease or known disease. The ability that we get time to help them learn to take medications. They might have never taken medications before. And the ability of having a little bit more time to deal with that adjustment process before they move into potentially, say, a transplant or, or something along those lines does wonders for their overall comprehensive health and wellness. Well, it's easy to see the benefits or the lifting of spirits while at home, how that really can help the recovery process. Well, this is really an amazing program, the VAD program. Thank you so much for talking to us about this, Dr. Davies, Dr. Sutcliffe, and Jody. Thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's Dr. Ryan Davies, Dr. David Sutcliffe, and Jody Lance. And thanks for listening to Pediatric Insights. For more information, please visit childrens.com slash heart. And if you found this podcast helpful, please rate and review or share the episode. And please follow Children's Health on your social channels. This is Pediatric Insights, Advances and Innovations with Children's Health. Thanks for listening.